The Free Vision app is where you'll find a growing range of on-demand audio and video to help you look to God daily. Search Vision Christian Media in your app store. Vision Christian Radio is all about connecting faith to life. From inspiring stories about the struggles we all face. To helping you understand the issues going on in the world. To clear and understandable Bible teaching. All peppered with great Christian music. The latest news. And even a few laughs along the way. You're about to experience just a small part of what we do. For the full experience, tune into a Vision Christian Radio FM or AM station near you. Listen online at visionradio.org.au or download our free app. Well, we're going to talk through a bunch of issues this hour and great to be able to welcome along a special guest. John Sycamore is a business leader, a philanthropist, author of the book called Enriched. He's also executive chairman of what's called Halftime Australia, which is a values-based executive coaching organisation, and he helps people discover their life's purpose and develop a plan to have a lasting legacy. So get ready to be part of our conversation this hour. Welcome along, John Sycamore. Great to talk to you. Uh, Likewise, Neil. Yeah, it's uh, obviously a topic close to my heart. So, uh, yeah, welcome the opportunity to uh, spend a bit of time chatting this afternoon. Well, John, this is one of those things, and we'll get to your story, and I'll get you to, uh, in a nutshell, just tell us how your journey has gone, and we'll discuss some of those things. But when you've been successful in your career, Uh, There are a lot of people who come up to you and ask you for those tips, those hints, those uh, keys to uh, success and significance. Have you had that all along, ever since you began to be successful, uh, that people would say, well, you know, what have you got, John, that, that I should have in my life that will give me that level of significance? Oh, look, sure. I, I think there's a, a perception um, that maybe there are some secrets or some amazing special things that you do. Um, and, um, you know, people do uh, like to, to try and work those out. I suppose I've always looked for those as well as I've uh, been on my journey. Um, you know, what are, what are key things that uh, maybe I could be doing that I haven't been doing? So, sure, that, that, does, uh, that does happen. Well, let's just talk about your career. Uh, I've mentioned a few things in the lead-up, but, uh, but uh, tell us, right from uh, that start there, uh, a young Dutch immigrant kid just trying to fit in, uh, where did you start to actually find some level of what people define as success today? Um, you know, this, the motherhood of invention idea, really. I suppose uh, migrant parents, we weren't very well off, and um, so I found that uh, my parents didn't have money to give me for pocket money or buy clothes and um, um, simple things or a bike or a watch or some of the things that, that I saw others having. So so I was pretty motivated probably from the age of uh, 10, 11 to find a way of making money. And um, I think probably the age of 12 or 13, I was starting to do a paper round. And I, I probably like to say sometimes, uh, just tongue-in-cheek, when I was about 14, that I was financially independent because um, I was doing a paper round every morning down in Tassie. Um, had a buy- And then... Um, uh, I did a Saturday evening paper round and went fruit picking during the school holidays. And I happened to live across the road from a golf course and uh, I used to be able to pull a buggy around there. In those days, this goes way, way back to pound shillings and pence. I remember uh, most people would only give you 50 uh, or uh, five shilling, I suppose, to pull a bag for four hours. But I had a special 
the uh, lawyer who, if I waited for him, he'd give me seven. Um, but I actually found that that was fairly inefficient because I'd have to work maybe uh, hang around for a couple of hours. And I found after a while, for the same amount of time, I could look for golf balls and earn uh, roughly double um, in the same time by selling them to the pro. And I found I could earn uh, triple by by selling them direct to the golfer. So probably at a young age, I had a, an eye for a dollar. And uh, so at 14, I pretty well had enough money to... Um, buy the the watch the bike the clothes and you know i had a sense of financial independence i must say i had free board um as well so that's when i i first probably because my grandparents in europe were in business my parents used to talk about business i I like to say over breakfast lunch and dinner uh, mainly about client service where they would go back and where they wouldn't go because of the poor service so probably natural that I, I had an interest in business. I wasn't, the, I think I had a bit of ADD. I didn't enjoy school much. Um, couldn't wait to get out and play sport and sport was the was the way to get accepted as a migrant kid. So I started playing Aussie rules and cricket and so forth. So, And then you really got on your feet when you got into the financial planning business. Yes, I found that... Uh, I was started off life in a bank, but I found I had to wait till age 33 to get on the top salary, and I thought, wow, that's a long time when you're 18 to think you've got to wait that long. So by the early 20s, I went uh, selling insurance and superannuation, and um, by that time, I'd, I'd moved states and moved to Melbourne, and uh, I did quite, you know, did pretty well at it, just um, working out target markets and working where there was less uh, competition and found a couple of markets I could do really well. So I did I did very well in that. I remember the, uh, one year there when I was about 26, the average income was back way back then about $5,000 a year, which seems ridiculous. Um, but I managed to be earning um, nearly 10 times that um, by just being very good at having a plan and being disciplined and working my plan. Visions 2020 with Neil Johnson, a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. You can join in our conversation 1-800-316-316. What are your thoughts on success? Is it all about money and possessions? You might like to reflect on hitting middle age. What did you do when you hit middle age? Uh, What is middle age all about? When does middle age start? Uh, You might like to share a few thoughts on that. Our special guest this hour, John Sycamore, business leader, philanthropist and author of the book called Enriched. He's also the executive chairman of Half Time Australia. John, if we talk about half time, you're talking about middle age in half time, aren't you? Um, Not necessarily. So um, we probably talk about it's more when people reach a state of mind where they say, hey, I've been working for 20 years or whatever period of time and the thought of maybe doing this for another 20 years, I don't really want to do that, but I'm not sure what I want to do. And it's more a a level of frustration and, and a discontent. And that can happen... Anywhere between age 30 and 70, I've found. Um, so, yeah, 45, you might say, is, is the most common age. Between 40 and 50 is, is the most common point. Um, and that can be referred to as middle age. But it's more... Um, I, if people are really content, um, they're not the sort of people we tend to deal with at half-time. We, we tend to look for people, or we tend to help people who sort of say, look, um, I want to make the second half of my life count and uh, I want to do something really worthwhile. And especially from a values and a, a making a difference and, and, and a Christian basis, we're finding people saying, look, 
I really want, I've been given these blessings and these gifts and these abilities and I don't want to just keep making more widgets. I don't enjoy that. I'd really like to um, use the skills and my time in a more purposeful way um, to make a difference. So I, I don't know what, can you help me? I want to stop and slow down and get a bit of clarity around that. So we, we coach people in that space. Uh, enlarge a little on this issue of discontent uh, because uh, you're right I guess you don't want to put an age on it and say this is the age in which you change direction but but that discontent is it something that comes on you suddenly or is it something that grows over a period of time uh, what sort of influences are on people to uh, you know to make them aware of that discontent and the and the need to find a different direction Oh, that's a good question, Neil. Um, I'll probably put it this way, that sometimes when we're growing up, we, we end up with dreams and ideas and, you know, we're idealistic about what we're going to do. Um, then we, we get in the cut and thrust of life. We don't necessarily, we can't end up always in the career or the job we like. So uh, we end up needing to compromise and we also end up pleasing other, feeling we need to please others. Could be parent, could be spouse, could be... Uh, community um, so we we can tend to lose maybe who we are at our core and what we've been created to do so I think when that gap widens and goes too long um, and that tends to cause stress and your emotional tank gets empty over a period of time so it's more helping people then work out slowing what we find is the that discontent then is to slow people down and find out what, what are they passionate about and what are the dreams and reigniting them because invariably uh, they've been trodden down and the, 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 if you're in a business and own a business or you're in a management role, invariably um, the vision of the business becomes the main driver, the business plan, reaching all these numbers and KPIs. Otherwise, if you don't achieve them, you lose your role and position. So we tend to become selfless and pleasing others and we lose that um, ability to uh, use yeah what what's really maybe our own sweet spot we don't even know what that is or where that is and we, we then say look we, we, we actually I don't want to spend the next 10 years doing this uh, definition of insanity doing the same thing expect a different result so I really want help um, and uh, who can I turn to who can I talk to um, yeah so Given we're talking on the National Christian Broadcaster, is it, uh, is it a, a thing you could actually draw uh, an alignment here? Could that discontent be something that God is doing in your life? Does he actually uh, cause people to have feelings of discontent? I mean, sometimes people might think, oh, if I'm feeling discontented, that can't come from God because he's supposed to make me feel contented. Uh, what sort of stirrings happen, do you think, John, when it comes to uh, the role of the Holy Spirit, what God is doing in people's lives and uh, and drawing them to a point where they may well change directions. Again, I, I look at it probably, yeah, it is a very much a spiritual question. And I think if we look at the fruits of the Spirit, when when we're filled with the Holy Spirit and we walk in God's ways and we're in unity with God, we, we do tend to have a peace uh, that that comes into our lives. And so when we have a lack of peace, uh, it's often that we're unable, we, we know that we maybe are not doing what God's created us to do. And we, we talk a lot about Ephesians 2.10. Um, if you believe the Bible, believe the word of God, um, that before we were born, he created good works in advance for us to do. So, in, you know, you could put that in marketplace speak and say, 
actually there was a job description about um, me being very successful doing things for God and, and ticking that box and you know, if you look at someone like Jonah, in a sense, God gave him a very clear indication of what his task was and what his purpose was, but he didn't like it. So he actually said, I don't want to do that. And, you know, I'd probably jokingly say, well, he paid a heavy price. He spent, what, three days in a fish's belly, quite a slimy, sort of uncomfortable place to exist. And I think in our own way, when we do turn our back on God, when he... Um, He's given us clarity about what maybe we should do, um, and we don't do it. Um, there's, you know, it's the prodigal son story as well. So, um, it's, uh, yeah, I, I do. For personally, for me, that was that was also true. I went really hard at chasing success and uh, became a Sunday Christian and gave a low, lower, too lower priority to my children and my wife and um, that in the end caused discontent in our relationship and, and made my wife quite unhappy you know she was desperately unhappy in the end because I was putting 80 hours plus into business and um, having a lot of health issues with migraine headaches and um, I'd created a fair bit of debt for a lifestyle that I aspired to which I thought would make her happy um, by having uh, you know a nice house a holiday home and things like that and in the end um, we've got to come back to and say, well, yeah, what legacy do you want to leave? What what does God want me to do? Is, is, this, uh, is this a biblical way of living? And in the end, um, through an encounter I had uh, hearing a bikey preach one day, uh, I was really challenged. Um, you know, I heard virtually an audible voice saying, John, I didn't create you for you to be successful. I created you to help others succeed. And if you do that, you'll be truly successful. And that was a head-heart experience. And all the, the sort of the lights came on in a sense. I realised I was when I was a child, when I was a teenager, I had a dream that when I reached age 50, I was going to uh, spend my time and energy on the if mortgage paid off, kids grown up. I was going to give back and change the world and help those who were less fortunate. And I had that dream when I was 14, but I actually forgot about it for 26 years until I heard that talk by the bikey who ignited um, something in me because he said if I could find a hundred business people who could give me a million dollars each we could change this nation and my heart leapt even though at that time I had bad migraines I had a lot of debt I had a desperately unhappy wife saying I want out you're not the fun guy I married and so we're having marriage counseling so um, yeah I think all of us have a uh, maybe that um, God's placed eternity on everyone's heart and, and we can't take anything with us so it's a matter of getting back and saying what was I created for? What was my purpose? And, and, and I believe when you're on that, you're in your sweet spot. And um, and it's I think one of the the, the things that I find uh, difficult today is we live in a bit of a selfie culture, and we can complain about our teenagers. But I actually find there are plenty of people in their sixties who say, "I've paid my tax. I'm entitled to this, and I want to go. On a, I can't contribute to." Uh, church or to other organizations because i'm now traveling and holidaying and so not that anyone's against having a break we all need a break but um really if you're 60 and you've got a life expectancy of 86.7 the actuaries will tell you you've actually got another 25 years where you could actually give back but you've got to keep the money coming in so you've got surplus so you can bless others so there's um yeah there's quite a i think We've got to be looking at a biblical model. Retirement, actually, the word retirement is actually not in the Bible, except in Deuteronomy with a few Levi priests. So 
So I think we've got to be counterculture um, as Christians. Um, we, we, we really should be living, storing up treasures in heaven. Um, and uh, if we're blessed and we have resources of skill and time, if we've got surplus and we've got surplus funds, we can sow that into making the world a better place and representing Jesus to the poor, those marginalised and so forth. Yes, it's uh, that old saying, isn't it? You don't retire, you retread. And there is a sense, isn't there? There's a deception about what you do in your retirement years or when you get to those years when you have got some freedom to go and do what you think you want to do uh, because uh, there's lots of different marketing and uh, business people who are trying to uh, get you to do all sorts of things to distract you from doing something that might be important and significant and fulfilling. We're taking calls 1-800-316-316, our talkback line open. John Sakema is our guest. We're talking about uh, his organisation, Halftime Australia, and we're talking about success and moving from success to significance, what you might do when you're feeling discontented with your life and whether God has his gentle drawing on you, perhaps for a different direction. Let's take a call from uh, Kevin, who's in the Great Southern region in WA. Hello, Kevin. Welcome along to 2020. Oh, thank you. Kevin, what are your thoughts? Yes, very interesting what John's saying. I, When you actually announced this whole program today, I was really interested because I've felt like this for a long time. I'm, I'm coming up 54 um, I have uh, years ago did an apprenticeship in welding and and that and never was totally happy probably with it. I mean I'm I can I'm good with my hands. I can make things, do things. I've lots of you know whatever it might be um, in lots of areas, but um, I've always you know struggled not have to you know um, to, to, to find my real um, calling if it was. Um, I've, I must admit I've done some Bible college training. I often thought, uh, you know, it was after my apprenticeship and after leaving all that, but wanted to, the thoughts of, um, you know, those thoughts that go through your head, oh, I wouldn't mind, um, you know, I'd like to be a, um, a pastor or I'd like to be a missionary. Those thoughts have gone through my head for sure um, and they never really have ever eventuated. So, But, um, you know, now that I get to this age, I'm um, to the point where I think, well, um, and now that I'm sort of on a, on a bit of a disability and I'm sort of thinking, well, what can I really do in my life now to, to, to have the rest of my life to enjoy something that I want to do? I've been able to do this, little bits of this and little bits of that here and there. Well, Kevin, let's get some thoughts from John. Uh, John, you must uh, hear a story like Kevin's, and uh, I'm sure there's some familiarity with many a story you might have heard. Uh, what are your thoughts uh, for Kevin? Look, I, I, uh, I feel Kevin's uh, not on his own. There are a lot of people who, whose story is similar to Kevin where they've got a, a heart to make a difference and do something, but um, you've got responsibility and sometimes you take a job or a career or a profession that doesn't and, and you have that niggling or nagging thing that there's something else um, that you'd like to be doing, but sometimes it just becomes very difficult. But look, the, the, the way that... Um, I found that that people can um, get past that is to realise that if we can work out, um, we, we talk about at half time about your core, your capacity, and your context. So we we really try and backtrack, and, and we talk a bit about archaeology, about going backwards. Um, so a, we look at 
core is working out what are your passions and what's your DNA and what's your gifts. Um, and and uh, then we took look at capacity because we find that um, a lot of people have no spare capacity and um, they've got a they end up with a vision or a, um, a mission for their life, but. We actually say, well, um, no margin, no mission. So you have to make some tough decisions to create margin, so that you can follow your, mis- your mission. Obviously, um, so the possibility is to say, well, what have I got to offer? And and that's really at your core. Then you look at capacity and work out. You make some tough decisions to, to create capacity. For some people, that means downsizing. Um, in my circumstance, I had a home and a holiday home and a community, and we sold our our dream home. We sold our holiday home, um, and we left our friends behind. We left our church behind, and because I went on a trip to a third world country to North India and saw the needs there, and then the visionary leader who um, needed other people to help him for he had a vision to plant a hundred thousand churches in North India, and um, a guy by the name of Jossie Charco, and um, I met him on a leadership conference. He invited me to go and check it out. And I found when I was there, because I had heart for planning churches and raising leaders, um, when he asked me to come and help, so we sold everything and moved to uh, you know Melbourne to help him um, and help him provide the infrastructure and because I'd done that in business. Um, so there's some tough decisions, but if God had have told me all those things I'd had to do in once, I wouldn't have done it. So he, he just revealed it one step at a time, one step at a time, and there's that test of obedience. But I'm finding so many people today, they know the Bible really well, but they've actually lost the art of taking steps of faith. They, they live by fear, and I haven't got enough money, I can't do this, I can't do that. And it's a matter of um, taking, um, you know, being a bit reckless like we are in our 20s. We take risks, we do all sorts of crazy things, but I tend to think that the compliance is controlling too much of our mind. Fear is controlling too much. Mm. Not that you need to be foolish, but... Um, yeah. can, I, can I say one other thing uh, to John? Yes, um, sure. Um, yeah, look, um, yeah, I did a bit of a stint myself with, uh, in Africa as uh, helping on... And my, my, which was building and that sort of stuff and doing all that sort of stuff. I'm good with my hands. That's certainly a gift of mine. But, yep. um, yeah, but it was interesting what you said about... John being very successful and his wife being unhappy and wanting to sort of get out of it and thinking this is this is pressure and pressure as being successful and having all of that. But the other thing is too that I think of is I've been uh, my wife and I and our family have been quite the opposite over the years because I've struggled to get the work and, and all that sort of stuff and been out of work here and there and, and that and then going on to disability and uh, you know what which I'm on and then but still being able to work but struggling to get to that point and not having and. That again has been difficult for my wife, um, not to be able to uh, to have that pressure to have to have the, you know, and and that sort of stuff. So yeah, that's that's um, uh, yeah, very interesting as well. So, Kevin, managing to... those expectations um, is is quite difficult. Yeah, Kevin, great to hear from you, and uh, you wouldn't be alone either uh, with people who've done some Bible training in their earlier years. And uh, then they get back to work and they're expecting all sorts of opportunities to open. And sometimes the opportunities are not there. But, uh, you know, my encouragement to you, Kevin, uh, having done that 
training in your earlier years, uh, be prayerful and uh, be expectant that God can open the doors and that you'll be able to move into them. So, Kevin, from uh, the Great Southern Region in WA, thanks so much for being with us today on 2020. Our talkback line open on 1-800-316-316. Our special guest this hour is John Sycamore, business leader, philanthropist and author of the book called Enriched. Uh, You might like to share your thoughts. Uh, We're going to be talking some more in just a short while about success because success means different things to different people. We'll talk about that. You might have your own thoughts on success. Is it all about the money? Is it all about the possessions? And you might like to share with us the most fulfilling things you do in your middle years and beyond. Let's hear from Robin in Mount Morgan. Hello, Robin. Welcome along to 2020. Yes, hi. Um, I I heard quite a few um, uh, familiar themes here. Firstly, what you said, Neil, about restlessness um, is often from God, and I believe that absolutely. And um, I really believe that if we turn to him with our mess, give our mess to Jesus, haven't you heard that before? Um, And then he will nudge us, you know, eventually into our right calling so that we do find peace with him and whatever. And there are a few things, and I think Um, your callers have already touched on that and also your guest speaker is that you know you need to find what um, what comes naturally to you but I think you can put God into your present relationships as he said into your family Um, you know when when you feel that restlessness you you need to try and put God into what what is in your life now and and that also can be to do with um, your interests your um, work or whatever like that um, and so I was. I've been there a number of times. I've. Um, I was considered, and I considered myself really a failure um, for most of my life. And I've done teaching, nursing, lots of things, and I kept burning out and having problems with sick. And when I was sick, I thought, well, I wanted to serve God, but I thought, and I was um, believing that He was calling me as a missionary. And I thought, but what have I got to give? I just haven't got the energy. I haven't got. Um, I, I just was sick. But it's amazing because God has put me in relationships with um, foreign people that, um, that they're basically family now and uh, for many, many years. And that's led me to um, overseas trips and see only there was a lot of supernatural stuff in it as well. So it wasn't just but but he gently nudged me that way. And when I saw there's supernatural connections, supernatural words coming to me, prophecies and whatever like that, I realized that this was the right track that he had me on and um it was it was in 1980 in india when i I went over with a pastor and um because even at that stage i just felt like what's my life for i just i just couldn't understand my life and um well i just kept thinking it was a total mess and when i was in the airplane just before we landed it was like my whole life flashed for um before me and I got this really overwhelming sense, this is what it's all for. And I wasn't sure at that time what, what this was. But Sounds a little think... bit like an epiphany, Robin. It's like yeah. the you know when John mentioned the light goes on. Well, let's uh, get some yeah. thoughts. John, your thoughts on what Robin's sharing. Well, I think uh, Robin's story is, is fairly typical. It's only when we... Um, are struggling and um, some things, uh, you know, we, we have a sense that there's more I can do, but I'm not sure what. It's that then we open ourselves to the gentle uh, whisperings of the Holy Spirit. I think, especially as a male, I'm, I'm very head, you know, even Dutch background, business background. We, we don't engage the heart enough, and, and I feel the Holy Spirit does speak to us, but, but I'm, I wasn't listening. And um, 
I think to slow, we, we talk about slowing down and um, making eye contact with God and getting your unique assignment. So we often suggest to people as part of our program at half time is to go and take a day off as a spiritual retreat, just go with your Bible and go down and sit on a rock by the beach or something and just um, have no agenda and turn off phone. And So I think the noise in our world today makes it very difficult uh, for God to get our attention. And sadly, people wait often until they have cancer or a marriage breakdown or uh, you know some um, major issue before we actually say, okay, now I'm open to listening to God until then. Or actually one, and this is what I was doing, I was making decisions and asking God to bless them and ratify them rather than before I made a decision seeking his leading and guiding and opening myself up to the Holy Spirit to to speak to me. Um, and I think also um, godly mentors have been huge for me. Is I can have all sorts of ideas and stuff, but I think to look at someone who's ahead of you on the journey and uh, allow them to speak into your life and, and several different types of people, depending on what the the areas are, I've found that has been a huge benefit to me. And the Bible says we should not give up the habit of meeting together. And some of us think, okay, we should just meet together and worship God, which is sure. But also believe that that uh, can cover, um, with two or three gather in my name, I'll be present. I, I feel we try and do everything on our own. And we, we there are godly people around who uh, God doesn't place in our path by accident. And um, if we will open ourselves up, the Holy Spirit can speak through other people and give prophetic messages and so forth. So, yeah, Robin, I think, has obviously found purpose. Um, but also, I think we need to take steps. We can sit at home, and um, the Bible talks about pray, seek, knock. It doesn't say just pray. So I have a sense that some people just seek and knock, and that's what I was doing. I wasn't praying. I was just seeking is like networking. Knocking is like cold calling, but I wasn't asking for God's leading and guiding, and I made some really silly decisions. But also on the, you know, if we can just pray, but we're not, we're just robotic. We want God to do everything for us, but we're not really taking steps of faith. So one of the biggest things is being prepared to make a fool of yourself and take some small steps and then faith steps and seeing if God turns up and he invariably does if we depend on him. Thank you to Robin from Mount Morgan. Our talkback line is open 1-800-316-316. If you'd like to be part of our conversation today, John Sakema is our guest, business leader, philanthropist, author of the book called Enriched. Uh, let me ask you about your book for a moment, John. Uh, what, what sort of things, if, if you get a hold of Enriched, what's likely to unfold as people start to read your story and some of the, uh, the issues that you discuss? Yeah, the first half is really, really an autobiography, I suppose, talking more about uh, how I'm a migrant kid and went after pursuing success. And I had various uh, times where I was successful. But it's also talking about uh, things that I did wrong and, uh, you know, I suppose showing that by pursuing success in itself, um, there can be a lot of downside in family relationships, health and even finances. And... Uh, and then when I had that defining moment, um, when I virtually heard an audible voice and uh, I went home within an hour and wrote down 13 things I wanted to change in my mind, which was really a download that uh, supernaturally... And, and then I, the second half is about implementing that and, and the um, awesome life I've had since then. It doesn't mean I've had hard times, but just you know, seeing the steps of a righteous man ordered by God in a sense. So the second half is, is really about... 
uh, moving from a success focus to one of significance, or as John Maxwell would say, success is what we do for ourselves, significance is what we do uh, for others. And, um, yeah, that's, that's probably the, um, the, the essence of, of the book, is, is to encourage people that there's one chapter which is the how-to. There's seven principles that I've uh, gone back and looked through. What were seven key things that I did in practically transitioning or how anyone can transition who's struggling um, to uh, look at uh, focusing more on the beginning with the end in mind, uh, you know, the legacy side rather than just the success. And, of course, you can get a hold of the book Enriched online at halftime.org.au. John, you're the executive chairman of Halftime Australia and you're often working with... uh, with executives, and uh, I, I guess when we think of that, we're talking about uh, people, and you know what comes to mind—the image of uh, people sitting around a boardroom table, uh, people who perhaps are in their middle years, uh, people who uh, have, in some respects, uh, you know, been working hard, uh, uh, lost in some sense, or haven't discovered what they uh, have as a life's purpose. You spend a lot of time talking about reigniting passions and dreams. Uh, I guess you have to have had a passion and dream for that to be reignited in the first place. Uh, so uh, when you're talking to people about uh, reigniting passions and dreams, what sort of things do you discuss? Well, we, we talk about um, you know, answering, say, a question, um, when were you at your best? And so it's, again, looking at the past. When, um, uh, and what was the thing that gave you the most satisfaction that you've done in the past? Um, what was your most painful moment? Um, just by answering those three questions, um, it's amazing what, out of our pain, there's, there's sometimes a vision that, you know, God turns everything to the good of those who love him. And many, uh, many people, and, and Bill Hybels in, uh, in his book, Holy Discontent, he talks about what's the one thing that you will really get angry about that's not right in our society and nobody else seems to bother too much. Well, maybe that's the very thing you were born to, to fix. And um, you could even add in the Martin Luther King quote who talks about, if a man hasn't found something he's prepared to die for, he's not fit to live. And so I, I do tend to think that we um, have this sense of, well, I'll just tick the box on this, tick the box on that. And, and when all the ducks line up, well, I'll go and do this. But invariably, the ducks don't line up. 1-800-316-316 to be part of our conversation today. Rodney is in Rockhampton in Queensland. Hello, Rodney. Welcome along to 2020. Welcome. Rodney, what are your thoughts? OK, I just topped into the car. I was cutting some trees with a chainsaw and just as listening to Vision FM, as I usually do, and I heard Robin, her comments, and it just uplifted me so much because... Quite often in our Christian walk, we tend to put on a bit of a face, you know, everything's good. But to hear someone uh, honestly open up the way that she did and come up with many of the, uh, the issues that I've had, you know, we all sort of have these in our Christian walk. And I just found the discussion so interesting and, uh, and helpful. And um, I also wanted to do was to just encourage Robin because she's from Mount Morgan, which is close to where I live. And, um, yeah, to thank her for being so open and frank, and it was so helpful. And uh, I find the talk back on Vision FM, I always learn so much because uh, people are just open and honest. And, um, you know, there's, uh, as I said, sometimes we tend to put on a bit of a a face and uh, pretend that the Christian life is, is so good and easy, but often it is a struggle, it is a battle. We're dealing with something that is spiritual, which is difficult for us to grab hold of. 
And, um, you know, I do believe that God wants to stretch us in our faith quite often. And um, there's that battle as well as in today's world. You know, things are just so oppressive and there's, I mean, there's so much good in our world, of course, but there's just so many challenges and pressures. And, um, yeah, it, it is so encouraging to hear people openly talking about their Christian faith, the difficulties they have. And, um, yes, vision... Well, Rodney, we are humbled to be able to do what we do and uh, just... Uh, honour you for uh, calling us and uh, thanks for your kind words just wonderful to hear from you Uh, Rodney from Rockhampton Uh, Rodney you you didn't hear uh, perhaps a little earlier John was sharing uh, some of his uh, challenges and struggles when uh, when he was going through a a time of re-evaluation but let me just ask John well I'll have to say goodbye to you Rodney but thanks so much for being part of 2020 today Uh, John let me just ask you something here because uh, a lot of people uh, will have more respect for the credibility of someone who has been there, done that, been successful by way of the corporate world, the business world, uh, when we ask this question about what success really means. Because sometimes if we ask people who haven't been successful, it, it doesn't necessarily mean as much. But if someone who has been successful made multi-millions and, and, and we ask that question, uh, what is success to you? Do I have to reevaluate what that means? How do you respond to people when uh, when they're asking you to describe and define what successful successfulness really is in life? Yeah, that's a really good question again because I think it means different things to different people. And uh, at one stage when I was in the worst position with uh, marital challenges, uh, with uh, relationship, relational challenges with my children as well and um, um, health issues and uh, then on top of that we were losing 30k a month, $30,000 a month and I added up my assets and liabilities and on paper I was bankrupt. So um, so I, I think very few people are just successful all the way along the line. Um, you, I could have been divorced, I could have been bankrupt, I, I could have had major health issues. Uh, ongoing so yeah success is uh probably we we all aim for success in in whatever we do how we how we measure that i think we all have different measurements um for some it's a monetary thing um i think what we're realizing in this day and age that's uh, often not a very good measurement it's it's if you actually have a, a vision for a business and it's making money that's not a good vision if you have a vision to make a product that's going to be a blessing to the community and to the people who buy it. And as a consequence, secondary, um, you're able to get paid for it reasonably well. You know, it's like the scoreboard in a footy game or, or something. So success is knowing in your heart, I believe, that um, the, the undertaking you're, you're taking is and the objective you set, you're able to achieve it. Um, but certainly what we're seeing today is if you don't have integrity and you don't have values, um, the transparency we have in the world now, which is great that people who are successful but don't can't tick those boxes are actually seen as uh, a failure and not successful at all because they've they've uh, uh, done so much damage and harm. So, yeah, it's uh, I, I think it's it's uh, a measurement that you need to work out yourself. But uh, money um, is is no longer seen as uh, the big measure of success, but still you don't want to be bankrupt and you don't want to be unprofitable. So it's one measure out of maybe a half a dozen. 
This is 2020 with Neil Johnson, helping you make sense of life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 on Vision. Talking about success, talking about an organisation called Half Time and the Australian uh, Executive Chairman is John Sycamore and we're talking through issues to do with success and significance this hour. 1-800-316-316. Time for a a couple of quick comments. Let's hear from Gabriel from Grafton in New South Wales. Hello, Gabriel. Welcome along. Oh, hello there. Gabriel, need to be fairly quick. What are your thoughts? Yes, look, I just I had an experience about ten years ago when the Lord, I believe, sort of gave me a few very strong signals to uh, to, to get out of the world. I had a very successful career, which I loved very greatly, and uh, the first sign was massive renal failure, and the second sign was having a son after I was told I would never have any more children. And according to world values, from what I've understood them, um, that was financial suicide for me. And pretty much it was. I've ended up on welfare for the last 10 years, which I'm grateful for. But success to me has been actually, my meaning of it is is actually submitting to the will of God. And through all the struggles, although it hasn't been easy, um, he's taught me so much, obedience, one of them. And uh, also just to, to keep keep fighting the good fight of faith and to just believe no matter how dark or stormy it gets and no matter how scary it might be for you in financially or the way the world sees success, that the success that God gives you through through the most mysterious means sometimes, even though we don't, under, don't understand them, um, brings so much great joy and peace to your world in an abundance, literally, that, that you can't buy with money. Mm. Wonderful and thoughts there, Gabrielle. And I'll have to cut you short because I want to fit one more call in. Thanks so much for your call, Gabrielle. Uh, Donna is in Albany in WA. Donna, a very quick comment from you. Oh, um, I have a personal experience where we lost everything we went nearly went bankrupt but but we lost all our possessions and then i had four we had four young children and my husband his family are fairly rich and my husband had a great guilt that and that he wasn't successful and i had to really build him up that you know he's still his family still got a house we still we had our faith in god and um when it comes down to nitty-gritty um when you lose everything it's god and your family Mm. that's important donna thank you so much for your input today here on 2020 and uh well uh, just a a quick comment uh, from you uh, john Uh, uh, failure isn't the end and uh, people can pick themselves up and dust themselves off and i liked what donna was saying when she said uh, that uh, as a wife she needed to encourage her husband Uh, all of this is all not just about an individual it's uh, it's oftentimes it's a couple who are involved in this journey i think absolutely um Neil, I think both Donna and Gabriel have uh, just given great stories of uh, yeah how, how they've dealt with adversity and um, and challenge and and um, ultimately the real test is our relationship with God and Jesus and uh, getting peace from that. So I, I uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, that's my story as well, so I agree with that. John, let me ask you about half-time. Uh, how can people who are listening to our conversation now, who might go to the half-time website at halftime.org.au, uh, connecting with you, uh, becoming involved in whatever uh, coaching programs you might have, uh, how can people benefit from what you've got up online? 
Um, well, one thing they can do is uh, they can go to um, and buy the halftime book, which is really explains, uh, and that's a very low-cost way um, to do that. That's the first thing. Um, secondly is we provide courses in uh, all the capital cities uh, throughout Australia, um, so people can go for half a day a month for uh, 10 sessions um, over 12 months with a group of other people who are going through the program. Now that program's not cheap and so uh, that's not really a financially viable program even though we run as a not-for-profit uh, for people unless they're running their own business and have a reasonable income. Um, but certainly we're also developing in the process a church-based uh, program uh, which we're trialling through City Life Church in Melbourne um, and so that will allow people uh, at a very low-cost way to go through a church-based program which will be available in 2016. So if anyone wants to come on our website and email me with the details, uh, then that's something they'll be able to do with, uh, through small groups at a, at a low-cost um, way of uh, at least getting into this topic. And uh, the key thing is trying to get together with a group of other people who, who are in the same position and then encourage one another. We've found that's the most powerful uh, way of going through these years is, is come up with a group of people. And so we can do that in the capital cities um, or we, um, potentially through your own church. So uh, just give us a, um, a hoi th um, through, the, through the website uh, details. Well, the website is halftime.org.au and uh, you'll also be able to find a link there to get a hold of John's book called Enriched. Uh, you can also get a hold of that through good Christian bookstores around Australia. And, uh, John, just great to get your insights this hour, talking through issues like clarity and purpose and reigniting those passions and dreams and, and uh, recognising when it is half-time and time to change direction and uh, linking in with what God has as a calling and a purpose and an assignment for you. John, thanks so much for being with us on 2020. My pleasure. Thanks, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.